Hey everyone, it's Danny Burke of VEASAN's Rush Hour. Be sure to check out my podcast, the Chicago CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angles for all of the Chicago teams. If you're from Chicago or just a fan of any of the Chicago sports teams and you want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So subscribe, follow, and listen to the Chicago CityCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts readily made available to you. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. What's going on, folks? Welcome into another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. You know me, Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke Five on the tweets. You can also get a hold of my other program, Rush Hour, on the Cindy Sports Betting Network. Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook up in Des Plaines, Illinois, at the Rivers Casino. You can catch us on VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app, Fubo TV, Sling TV, YouTube TV, the iHeartRadio app, Xfinity app, and of course, the Marquee Sports Network, covering all things from a national and local perspective. But like you know what we do here, we pertain to all the Chicago sports, and boy, oh boy, do we have plenty of things to discuss on this episode. We've got Bears news, starting quarterback news, updated betting lines, futures odds for the Chicago Bears, NFC North, etc. And we've got excitement on the hardwood, baby. How about them Chicago Bulls getting off to a great start in their preseason I know I won't try to go too crazy. It was a preseason game and it was against the Cleveland Cavaliers, but still excitement that is occurring that we haven't felt since the Derrick Rose prime days. We have White Sox playoff baseball finally here. We'll get you squared away with all of those betting angles and much more on this episode of the Chicago City Cast. But since we have plenty to delve into, folks, let's go ahead and get right into it, starting with the news of the Chicago Bears, Matt Nagy. Announcing on Wednesday that Justin Fields is the Bears starting quarterback going forward. He said, I've always said from the beginning is that we'll know. He's done everything to show us that he's ready for this opportunity. And Andy Dalton was at practice fully on Wednesday. So I guess they're ready to go with Fields. Nagy is very confusing in his press conferences. Do we completely trust that he's going to be the quarterback going forward? Considering he said Dalton was going to be if he's healthy and now he's back at practice. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not going to read too much into it. And certainly we can assume that, yes, Fields now will be the starting quarterback going forward. So how does this make you feel as a Bears fan? Were you part of the crowd that said, yeah, absolutely, put in Fields? Are you kidding me? Look at, look at the job he did against the Lions. Now, again, let's not act like he was dominant against the Lions. He had great throws that we're not accustomed to seeing as Bears fans. But, of course, he did well enough to win you, to, uh, to win you the game. But are you of the side that's saying, yes, it had to be Justin Fields because he had more talent. You want to develop him. And the best way to do it is to throw him into the mix. Were you part of that crowd? Or were you part of the crowd that said, you know what? Let's not kill the kid. Let's not ruin his development by throwing him behind this offensive line that is terrible. And a coach and Matt Nagy, who is whatever you want to call him. But if he's not calling the plays, then I guess it doesn't matter as much. But it, it honestly seemed like it was... 
maybe 60-40 to me, and I feel like 60% was in favor of Fields starting, and that's obviously an assumption, and then the 40 actually had the realization that maybe it's best to let him take a little bit and to not get him absolutely killed with this tough schedule with this brutal offensive line. I mean, listening to sports talk radio here in Chicago with the major stations, I was surprised with the amount of people who were fine with Dalton starting because... I don't know if I necessarily was 100% on that side, but I was kind of leaning toward it. Now, at the end of the day, as I've alluded to, I was going to be fine with whatever the decision was because I think there's potential for both and there's pros and cons for both. And we won't know what the right or wrong answer is until the conclusion of the season, right? So I don't think anybody can confidently say one is correct over the other. But again, now that this decision has ultimately been made, I will completely support it, right? I'm not going to stand here and, you know, look at what happens against the Raiders and go like, oh, no, you should have had Dalton in the mix, blah, blah, blah. No, I mean, if they feel comfortable with Fields and he just didn't have a good game, so be it. That doesn't mean you completely do a 180 and switch your mind up. I mean, they know what's expected going forward. They understand that if he doesn't do good, he is still the guy. And that's why you instill that statement and that confidence saying pretty much, or is what we're assuming he's saying, is that no matter what, Fields is going to be the starter. Okay, great. That's fine. He has two veterans to help him out, Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. Okay, let's do it. Let's root for our guy Fields. Let's hope he can do well enough despite the inept playing ability of this offensive line. And you have two solid matchups coming up, being the Raiders, being the Packers in terms of the defenses you're facing. Yes, Las Vegas has a defense that has improved, but certainly one that Fields can take advantage of. We know how bad this Packers defense has been. Even the Steelers were able to put up, what, 17 points against them, and the Steelers may have the worst offense in the league. So I think the next two games can bode well for Justin Fields. Beyond that, that's when things get dicey. That's when you get the Bucs. That's when you get the 49ers. That's when you get the Steelers. However, we know Pittsburgh is looking like a train wreck. But Justin Fields is the Bears starter going forward. I'm happy about it in the sense of being, because I'm trying to look at it more so from a genuinely, you know, hard-capped fan perspective, being I'm not trying to let my emotions get the best of me. My emotions, being a complete 100% fan, wanting the excitement, of course, want a Justin Fields as a quarterback. But, you know, my kind of trying to be a mature, patient fan was like, okay, if we want this to be the best in the long run, down many, many seasons, then I think Dalton might be the right move. But okay, so I'm excited though, because again, you saw the throws he was capable of making and that he did make against the Lions. And I get it, it's the Lions. Trust me, I've been preaching that all week. But it gives you just more hope for what the Bears can be. Again, we know the limitations with Dalton. Everybody's kind of thinking, not that it's a throwaway season, but you know, this is a season with low expectations because of that offensive line in particular and the other pieces you need to build up. And now that we know Montgomery's out for about four to five weeks, which stinks, but hopefully you get him back by about the after the bye week. So my point being is that, okay, that's fine. Let's bring in the higher potential guy. Let's see what he can do. And hopefully that development process proves to be the best route to take. And I'm okay with it, with them making that decision. And I'm sure the people who were saying that they would kind of prefer Dalton to be in the mix at the end of the day are going to be okay with it too until something maybe goes terribly wrong. So let's just agree that it's okay. That's the right decision. We'll root for the best and hope that this is the best course of action for his development process, despite how bad this offensive line and how tough this schedule may be. 
So Fields is your quarterback going forward. We know that now officially. Let's take a look at these lines for the Bears going on the road against the Raiders for NFL Week 5. It opened about five and a half. Total was 44 and a half, 45 and a half, depending on where you were looking. But currently at Bet Rivers, the Raiders remain a five and a half point favorite. Nothing's really altered since the official news of Justin Fields. You got to figure that was kind of baked into the line. And, you know, honestly, like I said, and I believe I said this in the last episode, or I was talking to a friend or said it on Rush Hour, whatever it may be. That regardless of who the starting quarterback was going to be, that didn't necessarily change my thoughts on how I would bet this game, right? I mean, I think you, in terms of the spread at least, I didn't think it was going to make it shift that much because you still have that offensive line that's going to kill whoever the quarterback is. It's just one, and Justin Fields has the ability to escape it more so than Andy Dalton. However, you factor in the other side that Andy Dalton won't have as many mental lapses, probably just, you know, he's got a better feel for the game as, as a veteran in this mix and in a potentially hostile road environment that could hurt a guy like Fields more so than it would Dalton. So I think it kind of evens out and that's why you haven't seen, and again, it's a media reaction, but that's why you haven't seen this line really falter one way or the other. Still five and a half, aka no man's land in favor of Las Vegas. The Raiders minus 240 on the money line. Bears catching the five and a half are also catching 205 on the money line, meaning you bet 100 bucks on the Bears and they went outright. You get 205 bucks. Totals at 44 and a half, slightly shaded to the under minus 112. I'm curious to see if this line gets up closer to the Raiders. If it does, then you're starting to charter in that teaser territory, teasing down a home favorite by about six points to where they only need to win outright. I don't want to fade the Bears. I absolutely, of course, don't want to fade the Bears. Who would want to? But if I'm trying to put in my, what I like to call, unbiased gap, then that may be the best route to take. But right now, I don't see a great avenue for betting this game in terms of spread or total or money line. I mean, total at 44 and a half, I guess I would lean over, honestly, because again, I, I think this is a favorable matchup for the Bears offense. I know the defensive front may be able to provide some pressure against the Bears, but at the end of the day, and I know David Montgomery's out too, but look, as Austin Eckler was able to tear up this Raiders run defense. And I'm not saying Williams is Austin Eckler. I'm saying that they don't really use Eckler on the ground as much. And he was able to cruise. So I think the Bears without Montgomery will still be okay in this matchup. Maybe consider some of his props. But also just in general, their secondary I don't think is that great being the Raiders. So I think the Bears will be able to put up enough points. I know the Raiders offense is solid. They'll be able to pick apart this Bears secondary. So I think this will be a higher scoring game. So my strongest lean, if anything, would be taking the over, especially now that it's kind of trending toward the under. Maybe it goes that way. Maybe it reverses. But I like over 44 and a half, if anything. If it gets to 44, then I'll really like it. But 44 and a half, I think I'm strongly leaning toward the over as of this point, if I'm having any bets for NFL Week 5 Bears and Raiders. But that's how that game is, you know, teetering out right now. Of course, we'll get more updates on that as we get closer. I'll get all the prop bets later in the week, before the game, and just my overall thoughts. But it's the middle of the week, folks. So we like to spend time on the updated futures odds for the Chicago Bears and the NFC North in general. So let's begin with the NFC North updated odds. We see the Packers minus 560. They were minus $4 last week. So they beat the Steelers. They go up even higher as the favorite to be the NFC North champs. Vikings are at 6-1. to one. 
Bears are at nine to one, and the Lions are at 150 to one odds to win the NFC North. I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I don't think there's any value. Well, I think it still would be with the Vikings six to one. I just don't know how you could actually trust them because they find a way to just absolutely frustrate you and kill whatever bet you want. Not that I've bet on Minnesota. That's not why I have a little bit of emotion here. It's just because it's just mind-boggling to me that they just continue to find ways to lose. So, you know, it's almost impressive at this point. But the Vikings at 6-1 would be the only bet I would make, if anything. Bears at 9-1, yeah, come on. I mean, they're not going to end up winning the division. Let's just hope that they can get over their win total, or their updated win total at this point, which we see at 6.5. Over is even money. Under 6.5, now minus 137. So last week, what did we see? We saw it at five and a half. There's been dramatic shifts in this Bears win total on a weekly basis based on their outcomes. And again, let's be honest for a second, okay? If you take, you know, the stats and the performances of every single game that has happened and just look at the win-loss column, this is pretty much how most people, including myself, envision the Bears to start out this season. Two and two, right? A loss on the road against the Rams, a win at home against the Bengals, a loss on the road against the Browns, and a win at home against the Lions. So if you're not taking into account the hectic situations that has occurred with the quarterback play, even worse performance of the offensive line than you assumed, maybe you assumed it would be this bad, and just how bad the play calling was against the Browns, you know, the Bears should be right on path for where their win total was, how you had it handicap preseason at seven and a half, right? Seven or seven and a half, depending on where you got the number at. So again, if you still think that this Bears team has the potential, then over six and a half, even money is your right play, okay? Based on the value and based on that they're two and two, despite your nervousness of how they're actually going to play on the field. But at the same time, as much as we would love to live in that world, it's impossible for us as betters to do so. It's impossible as us for fans not to realize what happened in that game against Cleveland. Okay, that's a big thing that keeps looming in your mind and looming large that, hey, if that happened on the road against the Browns, you know, what's going to happen against the Packers? What could happen against this Raiders team even and the Bucks? And the 49ers and the Ravens going down the, down the schedule. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to ignore that. I think if you want to get involved, tell ask yourself what happens this week against the Raiders because I think this is a game they lose. So for me, if I was going to bet it, I honestly would say, okay, if they're going to lose this game and I'm still kind of pessimistic about what they can produce for the rest of the season, then under 6.5 minus 137 would be the route to take, right? Because if they lose against the Raiders, it's going to drop back down at you know 6 or 5.5, whatever it may be. And if they win, obviously you could get a better number, but my assumption going into it would be that they're going to lose. On the other side, if you think the Bears are going to put up a good fight, if you think they could win this game, then the win total certainly will move up and you won't have as better value of over six and a half at even money. But to me, that's a tall order. So I think right now it's a stay away or you're still looking to bet the under on this Bears team. It's not that I'm rooting for it, everybody. So don't be yelling at me for saying it. I'm just trying to be unbiased and trying to give us the winning route in terms of betting the Bears' futures. It's okay to think that they're still going to have a bad season with Fields as their starting quarterback going down the line. We're not rooting for it. We're just setting realistic expectations. In under six and a half, if you're looking to get involved in their updated win total as of this point, 
would be the only way to go in my opinion because the assumption if we're being realistic is that they're going to drop this game against the Raiders and then that number will move and he won't get as better of a spot as you would going into this tough half of the schedule because then it's really going to start to get low guys so under six and a half minus 137 if you are looking to get involved that would be the best direction to go now, if you're looking to bet their odds to make the playoffs, the value is obviously with the yes at 4-1. to one. The no is minus 590 is a huge favorite. Remember, the playoffs are expanded. What is it now? Seven teams per conference. Um, look, they're not going to win the division, but maybe they find themselves sneaking in a spot there. I find it unlikely, so I think that one's a complete stay away unless you have the capital to bet the no at minus 590. But come on, I mean, just looking at the rest of the Bears' schedule, how do you see them getting over 6.5? Because last week we you know, kind of broke it up into the subsets of the teams the Bears can still beat. Who will the Bears lose to and what are the toss-up games? The team that they could beat was the Lions, and they did that. The other teams I still have that they can beat are Week 12 at Detroit, Week 15 versus Minnesota, if you assume you split with the Vikings, and then Week 17, you get the Giants at home. The toss-up game is Week 9 at Pittsburgh. Is Big Ben still going to be their quarterback? I believe that. No, that's right before the bye week for Chicago. But Pittsburgh's just looking like a mess right now, too. But it's a tough environment to waltz into with a rookie quarterback. So that's why it's a toss-up game. But I consider this week a losable game. The week after against Green Bay, even though the Packers have a bad defense. Uh, week 7 at Tampa Bay. Week 8, he gets San Francisco at home. That one may be a toss-up game now uh, more so just because of the unknown quarterback situation with the 49ers. And honestly, nothing they have done has been impressive. But still going to be tough because you're going against Shanahan and a solid defense. Week 11 versus Baltimore. Let's see what happens with the Ravens after the bye week at that point. Week 13 versus Arizona. The Cardinals are cruising. Week 14 at Green Bay. You're on the road at Lambeau Field. Week 16 on the road against the Seahawks. I thought that would be a surprising game that the Bears could win. And it still obviously could be. Because you have a bad offensive line in Seattle that the Bears defense can take advantage of. And the Seattle Seahawks defense just really isn't that good. But then week 18 at Minnesota, you know, give and take. You split one, you take, or you split those two games with Minnesota. So, you know, realistically, do you see five wins on that schedule? Again, week 12 at Detroit, you could say that's one. You split one with Minnesota, that's two. Uh, one against the Giants, that, that's three. But how can you confidently put two more wins in this schedule? Is it going to be this week at Las Vegas? I don't think so. Is it going to be at home versus Green Bay? I don't think so. You know, we can't count out Aaron Rodgers until the Bears are fully dominant. Could it be week seven at Tampa Bay? Absolutely not. Could it be week eight for San Francisco? Maybe. Could it be week 11 versus Baltimore? I don't think they're going to be able to stop the dynamic threat of Lamar Jackson. In week 13 versus Arizona, look how the Cardinals are doing right now. Week 14 at Green Bay, you're on the road against Aaron Rodgers. Week 16 at Seattle, as much as I think that could be an upset, it's still Russell Wilson in the Seahawks' dominant offense. Week 9 at Pittsburgh, who knows what the Steelers are going to look like right there. So I don't think you can confidently put this Bears team in a situation to winning five games. Four games, sure, but not enough in the terms of getting them five games to where I would bet the over six and a half at even money. Look, if you're on the complete riding the high train of Justin Fields coming in the mix and now you're seeing a different outlook for the season, I'm not going to beg you to go the other way. I just think logistically the smart route to go is under six and a half minus 137 based on the expected outcome of this upcoming game and then the expected results of the updated win total. 
So that's the only way I would look to handicap the Bears' updated win total. But hey, baby, we're excited. We finally got some solidified quarterback news for the Bears. We'll continue to update that line for the Bears and the Raiders. If it shifts based on that news, nothing immediate happened. But of course, we'll dissect that later on in the week with more props, first half bets. You know the usual routine. Coming up next, though, we are talking Bulls basketball. A lot of excitement based on that preseason game and a lot of excitement on the south side here in Chicago. We've got playoff baseball. The White Sox taking on the Houston Astros. Tough draw, but I'll let you know if there's any viable betting options for the White Sox and the Astros out in the American League and also some best bets for the Bulls this preseason. We'll talk about that next here on the Chicago CityCast. Win your share of $1 million with the Bet Rivers Beat the Spread Challenge. When you bet on pro football games at Bet Rivers, you can win weekly and season long prizes. Every time you beat the spread, you'll earn points and move your way up the leaderboard toward the top prizes. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com and start winning. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1 800 Gambler. 1 800 426 the Chicago City Cast is presented by Bet Rivers. When you place your football bets this week, remember to try out the new same game parlays at the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Mix, match, and multiply your payouts with player prop combinations along with traditional game lines. It's easy and it's fun, so give it a go this week. Log in, bet, and win at Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com. Okay, it's time to talk some postseason baseball and preseason and then going into the regular season NBA action for the Chicago Bulls here on the Chicago City Cast presented by Bad Rivers. Danny Burke again. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyBurke5. All right, let's get into it with the Chicago White Sox series preview against the Houston Astros. Now at Bad Rivers currently, we see the series price with the Astros as the favorite, minus 125, the White Sox are even money. Now, their game one odds currently has Houston on the money line, minus 143. Chicago, plus 125. Total is eight, shaded to the under, minus 112. If you're more intrigued with the run line for the White Sox catching a run and a half, it's minus 162 in that game one. If you think Houston can win by two or more with the run line bet, it's plus 135. Pitching situation, the assumption is Houston will go with Lance McCullers Jr. in round one. And then in game two, I don't know why I said round one, but you know what I mean. Game one, and then in game two, Framber Valdez will be going. Um, let me start with handicapping this series before I go fully into game one. So I, a while back, actually took a flyer on the White Sox to win the AL pennant. It's not really a flyer because the odds are pretty short, but I bet them three to one right after the trade deadline. They got to Paro when they got Kimbrel and Hernandez. And look, I thought it was a good bet based on where the number would move because the Sox were obviously and clearly in control of the AL Central. And I just thought the odds would go down based on the continuous dominance that we were going to see. And look, it honestly went up a little bit because the White Sox had struggled to hit on the road. You had some bullpen issues here and there. But if the talent plays the way they're supposed to, the White Sox have the best bullpen in baseball right now. They have the potential to have the best offense in baseball. 
Can they put it together? Can they hit on the road is what scares you about this White Sox team. And you're going against a Houston team that has had your number this season in what has seemed like seasons past. I hate to say it, but I do think the Astros are the right bet in this series. And minus 125, especially if we're assuming they're going to win game one, that's kind of what I assume, but who knows? Let me get to that in a minute. Is not a bad price, and of course it's going to shoot up if the Astros win game one in this five-game series. It's not that I don't think the White Sox have the talent to do so. They have more than enough talent to do that. But Houston has been such a dominant team, and they've been on cruise control this whole season. And with the home field advantage right out of the gates, I think that may shoot the momentum out of the White Sox because they haven't been great on the road. I'm not going to be betting it, I don't think. And I guess I could theoretically hedge it because I think whoever wins this series wins the AL. So, you know, getting Houston minus 125 is not a bad price. But I do think there's better routes to getting more of a value play in this series. And, and we'll hold off on that in a second because really quick, I do want to go back to the game one odds. So with McCullers taking the bump for the Astros, as of, as the time I'm recording this right now, I don't know who's pitching for the White Sox. You would assume it's going to be Lynn, but you've heard rumblings of Giolito, but who knows what's going to happen. McCullers this season is 2-0 against the Sox. In 13 innings pitched against Chicago, he has allowed just four hits, only three earned runs, and he's racked up 14 strikeouts. The White Sox have a batting average of just 103 against McCullers this year. 7-1 was a result of the game McCullers pitched against the Sox. 8-2 was another one. He's pitched both at home against the White Sox and at guaranteed rate field. So McCullers has done fairly well against Chicago to say the least. Main reason why the Astros are now up to minus 143 on the money line to beat the White Sox. I would much rather play that, honestly, in game one than I would for the series winner with the Astros because anything crazy could happen throughout the remainder of the series, but I do think the Astros take game one. It's not ideal to lay up to minus 143, but I think they have the advantage in that spot. Again, White Sox haven't hit that great on the road, and at least right out of the gates, I think the home team already, you know, of course, has a home field advantage. So... It's nothing I've played officially. If I do, I usually tweet it out or you can catch it on my show Rush Hour on VEASAN. But look, another route that you can take if you don't want to fade the White Sox, if you just want to go in a different route, or even if you want to root for the White Sox, maybe do a half unit bet, a lunch money type of bet, and going with the exact outcome of the series, I think this could be a viable play as well. So if you think the Astros win, but you don't want to lay the minus 125 and you still want to have some hope for the White Sox and you know it's a little bit longer of a shot... Look for the exact outcome of the series. I think there's two spots that could be worth a play. And that would be the Astros to win 3-1 to one in this series, plus 390. Okay, I think that's a very good spot. And then also, if you think the White Sox win this series, it's probably going the whole way, right? You know, you're probably getting five games played. And then the White Sox would win 3-2, to two, in my opinion. And plus 415 is the value you are getting there. So instead of betting even money, let's be realistic. If the White Sox win, it's probably going the whole length. Plus 415 is some decent value. But I also really like the Astros to win this one in four games, plus 390. So keep those in mind when you're looking at kind of extracurricular bets to make in this game, or this series rather. You could also do total games played. Over 4.5 is plus 140. Under 4.5 is minus 180. Again, I tend to lean toward the under 4.5. But if you want to go over 4.5 plus 140, just do the exact outcome of the series bets uh, when you can do the Astros to win 
uh, three to two or the White Sox to win three to two because it's going to be better value at that point than doing the total games played at plus 140. Now, what about the spread series outcome? This is where things get interesting and how you don't want to get caught up in being confused and making the wrong bet. Hear me out. The White Sox are catching a game and a half, meaning, you know, if they lose three to two, if they win this series, you would cash your bet. But plus one and a half on the spread series outcome is minus 245, a steep price to lay. I would not touch that. The Astros laying a game and a half, meaning they win by two games or more, meaning, you know, they win three to one. They win uh, four or excuse me, uh, three zero. they win three to one, whatever it may be. That is plus 185. So look, instead of taking the game and a half with the Astros, instead of laying a game and a half on the spread series outcome with Houston at plus 185 value, do them to win in four, do them to win in three. Because if you bet $100, all right, stick with me. They, you know, I'm going to throw numbers out there. So try to visualize this. But so if you're betting $100 on the Astros minus one and a half for the spread series outcome, it's plus 185, right? So 100 to win 185. But if you bet the Astros to win in four games, that value is plus 390. And if you bet the Astros to win in three games, that value is plus 500. So why not bet both of those? So you're throwing $200 down on both of those instead of 100 to win 185. And of course, you're going to inevitably lose one of those if it comes to fruition. But the payout is still higher. Because if you bet the Astros to win in four at plus 390, you would get plus you would get $290 because you lose the 100 bucks on the other bet. But you're still getting 290 bucks as opposed to the 185 on this laying the spread with the Astros. And if you bet the Astros to win in three, as opposed to getting 500 bucks, you just get 400 bucks because you lose the hundred dollars on betting them to win in four. But $400 is still more than 185, and $290 is still more than 185. So instead, if you want to go this route, instead of doing the spread series outcome, laying the game and a half with Houston at plus 185. Just bet the Astros to win in four at plus 390 and also the Astros to win in three at plus 500. I'm not saying I'm doing that, but if you have that thought process, it is smarter and more profitable to do it that way as opposed to the lesser value at plus 185. They kind of configure it that way sometimes and it's tricky, but you just have to do that quick, simple math and realize that it's more profitable to do it in that direction. Happened in the NBA a lot and it's happening with these baseball bets too. So look to compare. Don't just think each is its own kind of, you know, I don't know, own little subset of a bet that doesn't correlate with another one. No, it absolutely does. And you get better value if you take the time to process it. So look to do that instead and keep that in mind, not only with baseball, but a lot of bets when it comes to this series specific playoff bets. Okay. But at the end of the day, I do think the Astros win this series, but I think I would rather take the exact outcome of the series bet, mean uh, doing the Astros to win in three to one plus three ninety, or the White Sox to win three to two plus four fifteen. But realistically, the only bet that I probably will place right away will be the game one odds, and that will be Houston because McCullers dominance against the White Sox as of this point. Again, though, there's different routes. Don't get caught up on it. Be sure to check out the other ways to do it, like I alluded to. Astros to win in four or three is a better payout than to do the Astros laying a game and a half at plus 185 for the spread series outcome. And look, you know, I, again, I do think the White Sox have the talent, and I'm rooting for them. I want that 3-1 to one ticket to cash. But Houston has just been such a dominant and consistent team this year. They can hit both on the road and at home. 
White Sox are really only a home-dominant team. So that's why I'm not rushing to the counter to want to place a bet with the White Sox right away. I think Houston is your team, unfortunately, Chicago. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to be rooting like hell for the White Sox. And that's something I would never say growing up. Because growing up, I hated the White Sox more than any other professional team. More than the Cardinals. More than the Packers. More than, well... I don't know about more than a LeBron James-led team. I was pretty passionate about my disdain for the Cavs and for the Heat because I had all my best friends giving me grief as a dire Cubs fan. When the Sox won in 05, I was just getting berated with insults and comments. So that's why I hated the White Sox growing up. But now that I have been more mature in watching this team, I respect the talent. I respect the play, and I think they are a fun bunch and a profitable team. But are they profitable in the series? I just don't know. I'm not there to believe it yet, but you bet I'll be rooting for it. But those are the bets I would look to seek out for this series as of this point. Of course, we'll keep updating it as the series prolongs, but that's how it's looking right now at Bed Rivers for the White Sox and the Astros. But let's talk about some basketball, baby, before we head out. Let's talk about those Chicago Bulls with a dominating preseason performance. I know I don't want to get too excited, but let me just have this. Come on now. I know it's a preseason game and against the Cavs, but man, that looked fun out there. That was a blast. I mean, 131 to 95. The Bulls get the win. Levine drops 25. DeRozan drops 13. Vooch gets 10. Javante Green got 13 points vying for a roster spot. He had a six slam and posterization uh, after he got blocked the first time. That was a hell of a dunk. Lonzo Ball had eight points, but he was getting it done on both sides of the floor as he typically does. Great facilitator, great defender. That's what you get when you bring in Lonzo Ball. How about Alex Caruso having some highlight plays? He was playing on the defensive side of the floor, too. He's a very underrated defender. He racked up 10 points. Io DeSumo, the rookie, first game, great. Awesome to see him. He got eight points, had some good moves. The crowd was going crazy when he got brought in. How about Troy Brown Jr. even racking up 13 points? The biggest takeaways from this is, yes, I know. You don't want to freak out too much. It's preseason. You're going against the Cavs. But the defense looked great. And that was a concern, obviously, last year. That was the actual thing. And then even going into this year, everyone's like, oh, they're not going to play defense. Look at who they brought in. But the defense looked alive. There was a bunch of energy all around. And there was so much chemistry offensively. And you realize not everything waited on the shoulders of Zach Levine. There's many other outlets now. So the offense looked explosive. The transition offense looked phenomenal. Uh, they had a lot of chemistry, a lot of unselfishness. And they just looked like they were having fun. And that's what you need out of this team to compete in the East. And that's what I think we can expect on a daily basis. This is going to be a very fun year. This is going to be a very fun and exciting team with a lot of potential. Now, you also have to remember, they were missing Kobe White and Patrick Williams. And that's how fun that team looked. Two big pieces. And Williams will presumably be in the starting, line, uh, starting lineup. Kobe coming off the bench. But you were missing two of those key guys. And that's how great they looked. This is going to be a blast, guys, and I am very excited. And I'm not going to talk about this next part just because of that one game. I was going to bet it anyways. But the Bulls' win total, you saw dramatic movement actually go to the over just based off that preseason game at Bet Rivers. Like two days ago, yesterday, whatever it was, 41.5 is what the win total was set at. Everyone goes nuts on Twitter. Everyone sees the performance. Now it's up to 43.5 at Bet Rivers, over minus 106 on the win total, under is minus 115. I actually bet it at 41 and a half before it moved, luckily. If you're able to find one out there, you know, 41 and a half, 42 and a half, I'd still bet it. 43 and a half, uh, maybe slow your roll a little bit, but 
I did bet the Bulls win total over 41 and a half. You could still find it out there, I believe. But look, last year they were 31 and 41, and they just missed the play-in tourney. You know, this team had potential from last year, and then they make the big moves in the offseason with an Eastern Conference that I think is going to be wide open because of the uncertainty with the 76ers, because of the possible championship hangover with the Bucks, because of the whole Kyrie Irving situation with the Brooklyn Nets. This Easter conference is certainly wide open. You bet your butt it is. So win total for the Bulls, if it's at 41.5 or 42.5, bet the over. I got it at 41.5, over is minus 134. You could still get it out there if you do a little soul searching. But the Bulls will get over that win total of 41.5. You see the depth that they already had in that preseason game when they were missing Patrick Williams, when they were missing Kobe White, and I get it. Slow your roll. It's a preseason game against the lowly Cavaliers. I'm just saying you're seeing the excitement and just the pure energy that was out on that floor from this crew that looks happy and excited to play with each other. Very unselfish. Defense will be better. A lot of scoring threats. Doesn't all have to be on Levine. That's going to be a great formula for this team to being a top five or six team in the Eastern Conference. I think the lowest they end up is a sixth seed. The highest they end up could be a third seed. And yeah, okay, maybe I'm a diehard Bulls fan. You're going to call me biased. But truthfully, how can you not say that with how crazy the rest of the Eastern Conference is looking right now? The only stable team really is the is the Bucks right now. And again, what if the championship hangover is something that occurs? Kyrie Irving with the Nets is a situation we don't know how to handicap. Uh, you look at the Celtics team. I just don't really trust them in general. And then you look at who am I missing that I was just talking about. We were just talking about the uh, Sixers without Ben Simmons. You don't know what's going to happen with that whole situation, whether or not he's on the team. The East has an open door, and the Bulls are slowly creeping toward it and checking it out and have a great opportunity to find themselves at the top of that conference. So over 41 and a half wins for the Bulls. Lock it in. That's what I bet. If you're interested in their odds to make the playoffs, the yes is now up to minus 186. The no is plus 145. It was at about minus 160 before the preseason game. If you can find it about minus 160 or lower, I think it's certainly worth a play. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, yes, the Bulls will make the playoffs. And yes, they will get over 41 and a half wins. This team is going to be a blast. Don't be afraid to get excited, guys. Because the time is here to get successful basketball back in Chicago. And I cannot wait for it. The regular season right around the corner. We're going to be covering that on a weekly basis too. So excited to talk Bulls basketball. Excited for October playoff baseball. Even though it's a tough draw for the White Sox, we still are happy to have it. And then, of course, now that we know that Fields is the quarterback, we're putting on our Fields jerseys. Been wearing it this season already, but you best believe I'll be repping it against the Raiders. Even though I don't have high confidence in them, of course I will be rooting for Fields to have success. Of course there are opportunities for them to win, and we'll tell you how they can do that later in the week right here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host. You can follow me, remember, on Twitter at DannyBurke5. Catch my other show. Monday through Friday, rush hour on VEASAN, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll catch up with more betting opportunities for the Bulls, White Sox, and Bears in the next episode. Until then, take care, ladies and gentlemen. Win your share of $1 million with the Bet Rivers Beat the Spread Challenge. When you bet on pro football games at Bet Rivers, you can win weekly and season long prizes. Every time you beat the spread, you'll earn points and move your way up the leaderboard toward the top prizes. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com and start winning. 
Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. <laughs> I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.